The text for the sermon this day is taken from that reading from Luke, which you heard earlier and will be kind of worked throughout the sermon. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are just going to, what I'm going to do is we're going to start to kind of walk a little bit through this text that is probably pretty well familiar, given the fact just a couple days ago our kids so wonderfully told the very same account. So it begins that in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Six months, that means it's six months since it was announced to Elizabeth that she was pregnant with John the Baptist. So this is six months after the text that you heard last week. Nazareth is not a big town. Think rickets, if you want to think the size of what Nazareth was like. And very similar to rickets, rickets, you know, it's not on Highway 141 or, you know, Highway 59. It's on kind of a random county road. So Nazareth was also one of those towns that nobody ever drove through unless they were really trying to go to Nazareth. I mean, I guess we might go through Ricketts to get to Charter Oak, but that's, it was kind of one of those towns. When I was in May City, that worked perfect because May City was completely a Nazareth. But anyways, it was like a town of like 40, probably 40 people was the population of Nazareth. So very small. So it says, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So the fact that she is a virgin and the fact that she is engaged gives us a pretty good idea as to her age. Because the customary age of engagement in, Jude, in Galilee at this time would be from between 13 and 15 years old. So this is how old Mary is. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You see, Mary's kind of confused here because she knows the stories. She knows the only real reason that an angel will come to visit you normally is to tell you that you're going to die. And so he comes with like a friendly greeting. So it's like, so Mary is very confused. Like, what is this? A is this the prankster angel coming to tell me I'm dead? Because he's like, hey, greetings. The Lord's with you. You're dead. So that's kind of the why it says that she's greatly troubled. And the angel knew, anticipated. So the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Which, by the way, that is your cue to let you know that this word virgin means virgin. I say that because we have 
people around the country who say, oh no, she's just a young woman, then that's, that question doesn't make sense. She understands the birds and the bees. She knows how babies are made. So that is why she is asking, how can this be when I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And now, if you paid attention to the news lately, there is some professor in Minnesota who, like, try, in, in the overreaction of the Me Too movement, tried to claim that Mary was a victim and she had no choice. Well, this is what Mary said. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Sounds like she's okay with it. So, anybody says that, you just go, roll your eyes and just walk away. So, what Mary has here is a very, very difficult situation. And the, what she, the fact that she did say what she when, you, when they convert that into the whole me, overemphasis of the Me Too movement, they have totally degraded the incredible faith of Mary. Okay, so we have a few, few girls here that are about 13 to 15 years old. Now, for those of you who would be in that age, if you were to tell your parents that you were pregnant, how would that go? <laughs> Anybody think... Probably not going to be a very easy conversation, right? Well, and this is, this is the very first thing Mary is going to have to deal with. She's pregnant. And she, we're talking about an age where it was even worse than it is now. It's considered even more culturally unacceptable to be pregnant at such an age. And it's not exactly like she could very easily just say, oh yeah, it's from the Holy Spirit, it's a virgin birth. Just so you know, that is not going to work because there has been literally billions of births in the history of the world and the virgin birth thing only happened once. So there's only one in a billion, billions of chances that that will be an acceptable excuse. So obviously she's not going to be able to sell this one. Hear why this is going to be hard? And then Joseph, who she is engaged to, is an honorable man, we learn in the Gospel of Matthew. And probably, culturally speaking, he'd be 17 or 18 years old. And I know that's kind of weird for our minds. Like, you're talking junior or senior in high school dating a 7th or 8th grader. I know that's weird. But that's the way they did it. And, but here he is finding out that his fiance is, and by the way, it's an arranged marriage, but his fiance is pregnant. Now, the first thing he's going to have to deal, would probably have to deal with is people thinking that he's the father. But if he, once he convinces, he knows he's not, 
And when he's convinced everybody that he's not, nobody's going to believe that she is a virgin. In fact, we learn in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, it literally took an angel from heaven to convince Joseph. And I don't blame him. None of us would believe that. And the thing is, is in that time, Mary, under, Jewish, under the law at that time, Joseph would have had the legal right to stone Mary to death. Because in the mind of everyone, she had cheated. Which, by the way, this is actually one of the really important lessons you learn out of the, out of the pregnant, Mary becoming pregnant. It's a very important reminder that pregnancy is never, ever a sin. Now, it may be a sin how somebody got pregnant, but the pregnancy in and of itself is never, ever a sin. When you treat pregnancy as if it's a sin... That empowers abortion. So it's a great way. Understand the pregnancy isn't a sin. Stand for life. But anyways, that's kind of a little sidetrack. But either way, so here, this is the situation that Mary is in. And yet, in spite of that, and the thing is, not only is she pregnant with a child, this isn't any child. I mean, we heard in Judges, we heard about the pregnancy of the of Samson being conceived. This, incredible, this kind of a miraculous birth. And Samson was one who would grow up strong and mighty and he'd fight against the Philistines. That's a pretty big birth. But Mary is being told that she is going to be pregnant. I mean, think about the... Every parent has pressures of what their children are going to be. You know, i got to make sure they're cared for. We're talking about the Son of God. Is who she is going to be charged with caring for. Such a taunting task. I mean, we're talking about the person who spoke her into creation. She's going to be pregnant with him. And yet she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, we as Lutherans, and there's, there's good reason to this, sometimes we can get Mary-phobic. We get afraid about talking about Mary. But here's the thing is, it is appropriate to call her the most blessed Virgin Mary. Because A, she was a virgin, and B, no one has ever been closer to God than she was. When she ate a piece of bread, that bread fed God in the flesh. Think about how humbling that is. That is what the child, what child is this in her womb? That is who it is. God in the flesh. In the womb of this 13 to 15 year old girl who would have been in extreme poverty, and we actually get that detail later, and even late in a couple weeks, the Sunday after Christmas, you'll hear in the gospel lesson that the, the prophecy that you would hear about her son, that he would pierce her own soul as well, letting her know not only is this child the son of God, he, she was being told his destiny. She was going to have to watch him die. 
Think of those of you who might be mothers in your 40s. Could you imagine having to watch your own child be beaten and tortured and crucified? That is what Mary was called to do. But Mary did it. See, the thing is, this is not really about how great Mary is. Rather, it is, I mean, she's, she's blessed. But blessing is not about you. It's about the one who blesses. She was blessed by God. Blessed to have a chosen, very great calling. A very difficult calling. But she endured it. She did it. Because that child in her womb is the Savior. See, Samson was the Savior of the people of Israel against the Philistines. The child in Mary's womb is the Savior of Samson and every single child that would ever live. Including Mary herself. The child in her womb was her own savior. Because the thing is, is Mary was not sinless. She too is a sinner. And we got evidence of that throughout the Gospels. When Jesus was preaching and teaching, where was Mary sometimes? She was outside when she should have been hearing God's word. Because she too is a sinner. And she, too, needed her son to be born. And Jesus was born of her in order to grow up. And so that she may, and she did watch him be crucified. Yet she might have forgotten who he was, making watching his death all the more difficult. I mean, you read in Luke chapter 2, towards the end, Jesus is 12 years old. Mary, loses, Mary and Joseph lose track of him. And people wonder, well, why would that happen? Now, many of you have, maybe have had a miracle birth. I was told by my mother, I'm one of those miracle births. I'm one of those that they didn't expect to survive. And many of you, many others know of those births. But you don't remember that every single day. You don't look at them every single day as a you're a miracle. You've, it goes into the back of your mind. The same happened with Mary. It began to go to the back of her mind because when tell he was the age of 12, he was completely and utterly normal. People wonder, why isn't there much about Jesus from the age from 1 to 30? It's because it would be the most boring writing you'd ever find. He didn't do anything that exciting. It wasn't worth writing about. And so very naturally, it's to forget who this... It's in the back of the mind who this child is until he got baptized. And it got fully remembered. This child is her Savior. He is our Savior. He came into the flesh in order to die, to, let the, to be crucified, to humble himself, to empty himself. Because what child are you? You are a sinner. You were born in sin. All you have to do is just read through those Ten Commandments. There's a reason we make you memorize that in confirmation. 
So if you ever sit there and say, oh, I don't, no, I'm pretty good, just go back through the Ten Commandments, read those meanings, and you'll find, nope, okay, I'm, all right, I'm falling short here, 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 here. You go through it, and you're honest, you broke every single one of them. That is why we need a Savior. And so what child are you? When you were brought to that baptism, baptismal font, whenever anyone is brought to the baptismal font, the pastor says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And in that moment, you are united to Christ. And it is in that moment declared the answer, what child is this? This is a child of God. Chosen, blessed, redeemed by God. That is who you are. The child in the womb of that young girl is Christ, the Son of God, the Word made flesh. And because He became flesh, suffered and died and was buried and rose from the dead for you, you too, you are made and declared a child of God. But here's the thing. Remember when I talked about the blessedness of Mary? Today, Mary is in eternity with anyone else that has ever passed away in the faith. And one day you'll get to meet her. But until that day, you are still here. Mary was blessed, but that does not mean her life was easy. Remember, when you come back here on Christmas Day, you're going to hear about how she had to go to Bethlehem. I mean, think about this. Again, 13 to 15-year-olds, you're pregnant. That's already scary. And that you're going to have to go with, some, with this guy who your parents think is kind of cool. And you're going to have to go on a donkey from here to Omaha. But you don't get to take the paved roads. You're going to find the worst gravel roads possible, like the one that my uh, GPS tried to send me on when I went to Midway. One of those roads only. You know which ones, those, the low-maintenance roads? That's what you'd have to take all the way to Omaha on a donkey while pregnant. To be blessed does not mean your life is going to be easy. In fact, it might mean that your life is going to be very difficult. But the reward in the end is the kingdom of God. And what does it say of his kingdom? It shall have no end. And the kingdom is yours in Christ Jesus till he returns. To him be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of this wonderful child God in the flesh be unto you all. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.